This episode of Leverage Radio is sponsored by Mike Morell's instructional series called Triangle Territory. It's available only on thetiger.io. Use promo code LEVERAGE for 45% off on this product. Get it now while the offer lasts. So now I don't even use the gaming chair. So <laughs> I have a nice office chair. Uh, what have you been playing on, though? You playing on your computer, on your PC? Yeah, I went with. Uh, I wanted to do the the PlayStation Five, and uh, then I realized after I had purchased one for way too much money that it was not as good as the PC that I already had. So. Did you buy it? it? And we well, sold it already. Thirty bucks, but I sold. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I bought on, it and sold on. it. I'm just switching my Wi-Fi. Hold on. Word. Yeah. Okay. I'm back. <laughs> yeah, I bought the PlayStation Five, and it came, and then I never opened it, and I sold it, and I lost like thirty bucks on it. But <laughs> that's not bad. Yeah, I was hoping that it was going to be like. Uh, Oh, if I wait until near Christmas, it'll open price and I can sell. And it was just no. Dude, I'd buy it from you. Because oh, we, yeah. it hasn't been launched here as yet. I think it's coming out in April, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it's going to be a while. Yeah, I bought it for like 800 bucks. Did you, uh, are you drinking coffee? Did, are you ready? Are you awake yet? I have already drinking so much coffee. I'm just like. <laughs> <sighs> I'm starting to wake up. It's just a, uh, it's rough. It's like eight is, fourteen here. Is this that new studio you were building? Yeah, kind of. It's kind of a studio. See, it's got like sound panels on the wall. So, I, so the door. like, I have no idea where in your uh, your gym this this room actually is. Um, so, if you were to walk out now. Where That's would the training be? area? Okay. So this is the office. And then oh, okay. the training oh. area. And then we added like a little extension into the room. So like now there's actually a bedroom in there to live in. Who and dude, um you've been training like well you've been training like you're going into competition. Um what's going on, man? Nothing. Nothing is going on. We are doing absolutely nothing. In fact, wait, are we, we're live now? Yeah, we are. Okay, so since we're live, um, this is actually not at my academy. This is actually at uh, Gavin Newsom's governatorial mansion. He, uh, <laughs> he said we can't open our business, but we're chilling. We're chilling at his spot. We train every night over at his spot. And... Uh, it's been pretty sweet, man. He's got some nice mats and stuff, so. Yeah. Gavin um, Newsom, 22, man. <laughs> who who <laughs> you been training with, though? Um, Just the boys? We have, a, we have a real small crew of people, and uh, we never, ever, ever, ever 
train at my physical location. I didn't, right. That has not happened since the beginning of quarantine. Um, <clears throat> we take the, the governor's uh, orders on that very, very seriously. So um, we have a really cool crew of people because it's we keep it pretty small, but it's fascinating. Like I was thinking about it last night when I was rolling that uh, we have we have black belts and brown belts, a, a few white belts, a few blue belts, and a couple purple belts or whatever. But everybody's like a a weird archetype of a different body size. So mm-hmm. I got guys who are like my exact body type, except for they lift weights constantly and they're just like savages. So they're way stronger than me. But then I've also got people who are like 50 pounds heavier than me and four inches taller than me. And then people who are like Armin trains with us. And he's, you know, he's like 160. He's like 40 pounds lighter than me, but he's like mm-hmm. way stronger. Olympic, Olympic athlete, you know, downhill skier. Last night, actually, he put me, he, he put me in an outside heel hook. And he, I was, I was turning my foot. I was, I felt safe on the outside heel hook. So he started cranking it like it was a knee bar. And (laughs) I felt felt safe there too. Like I was like, oh, I'm going to move here. And then this little like Lord of the Rings dwarf, Mm -hmm. he locked a triangle on the outside of my thigh. And I thought he was going to snap my femur in half. With, uh, with a figure four? Yeah. His, so just his his fucking legs ripping into your fucking quadricep. It was so like that's when I realized I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. You you actually did like downhill ski for the Ukraine in the Olympics in like '96. You he used to tell me his warm ups were like, oh, we would do a 200 body weight squat, like pistol squats on each leg, and then we go then we go ski, and then I don't know, they'll go sit in a a sauna and like drink and. They, they had some crazy training, but Dude, the guy I had no so clue he was an Olympic skier. Yeah. If you look him up, uh, he's actually like, he had like an interesting story that I thought was fascinating. I'd never heard it because I've known him for like 10 years. But uh, there's a story about him on Google. I, I was like, let me look up his, his skiing record. Like, let me see if I can find anything on Armin. And then it's this whole article about uh, Johnny Mosley, the famous skier or whatever, uh, like, helped him get back into it after he hurt his legs or something. Um, but it was funny because Johnny Mosley was like, oh, at that point, because it's like 1996 or something, he said, at that point, I, I thought all the Russians were like these evil people because we were like in America and that's the propaganda that was out. He was like, wow, but then I met Armin and he was like the, the good Russian. He was the good guy. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> The good Russian. <laughs> that's what so- I call him when he comes into the gym now. Dude, Armin is probably like um, completely resistant to all kinds of um, heel hooks. Uh, if he, he did, you say two hundred pistol squats on each leg? That was like a warm up for them, man. They're crazy. Mm, I see. His legs That's... are so solid, and he's not that tall. He's like five six, five seven, something like that. And his hands, bro. <sighs> Insane. I immediately regret, and I say I say this to him every time. I'm like. I'm teaching him new new school jujitsu techniques. Yeah. He, he runs a, a fabrication shop and he's like really, really high level, like, um, um, Arctic fab. Yeah. I know, man. Oh, yeah. So he's been able to race cars and all this stuff. So he doesn't have the time to be sitting around like digging through jujitsu techniques like me. Like some so, of us. Yeah. Yeah. So I show him stuff like we're, we're going back over Gordon's like pummel passing stuff. And mm-hmm. I think it's the first time that he's, he's really started doing it. And I'm like, this is annoying as hell. The second <laughs> he knew, he just, I'm getting destroyed with it. And I'm just like, 
Dude, even I'm uh, I'm redoing Gordon's um um his card passing in actually today in the morning I taught um um from um butterfly half uh we mm-hmm. did we revisited the again um uh, top pommel front pommel knee card and all that crap um it's it's useful man um especially because the upper body uh, controls are i mean you have a variety and it's not just the one side cross face and underhook you can switch it around and play around with that as well and i didn't notice this the first time i went through it i remember telling you that dude i didn't understand anything <laughs> um, now that I've I've been through this thing again and I'm doing it slowly, um, some of the guys are really picking it up, and their nogi passing is is very very different. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say it's funny that you mentioned that because one of the things in all of the Danaher, Gordon Ryan, all of the instructionals that they that they put out, I don't recall them ever really addressing how to play butterfly half guard. Mm-hmm. Like there's uh, not. What was that butterfly half um you mean from the bottom yeah from the bottom um i think danahan is in his leg locks uh, uh system as well as his back system does have something and his kimura system so they have a back take from bottom they have um a counter kimura from bottom using the butterfly half um and a leg lock entry from bottom half yeah no i just mean you know, everything is very intricate in the way that they, they place Absolutely. other things. Yep. Like even like Gordon's seated guard DVD is fantastic, but it's like, ah, so I started going through his, his seated guard stuff. And I started watching one of the lesser, the, like the less popular instructionals that Gordon put out, which is the, my evolution, your revolution instructional. I haven't been through that. Dude, when he breaks down his ADCC matches, it's really kind of depressing because it's it's funny at first, and then you start realizing, <laughs> oh my god, I've been doing this sport for like 15, 16 years now, and I'm terrible at it. Really? I'm not good at it at all. I'm a very, very bad jujitsu player, and you look at these guys who like, if if you have a match like, oh, I'm going to go against uh, uh, Tim Spriggs, or I'm going to go against uh, uh, Muhammad Ali, or something like that, and I'm like, You'd be wow! This is going to be a really hard match, and Gordon is literally just like I already knew what he was going to do. He's got bad grip fighting. He has really stupid passing, so I was never worried about anything here. And I'm just, and then you watch him do it, and he talks it down systematically, and you're like, oh crap! Like, <laughs> but um, someone built like Gordon, um, and who's already done it. Um, in hindsight, I'm sure that's a lot easier to do, right? look back on fights and then um, talk people through it to to an extent um, the problem is is when you watch that instructional and you watch him break it down you start realizing that there are common threads in like every single match he had that day and he had a lot of matches Fair but enough. yeah it was well, since we're talking about passing right mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody who's not like super nerdy about this is going what the hell are you guys talking about but um, <laughs> The fact that everybody was so afraid to engage with his legs, like engage with his guard, nobody steps to inside position. So they just do bullshit square stance running away. And then they do giant leaps around his guard, hoping that one of these, like, it's like 
caution to the wind. Oh, I did a giant floating hip pass and I'm yeah. past. And he literally breaks it down. He's like, no, 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 no. I just put my elbow to my knee and then I wait because <laughs> you're stupid. <laughs> you can't get any upper body control here. So go ahead and jump past my guard 15 times, you idiot. And then eventually I'm going to harass your feet and I'm going to be able to get you in. Then you watch 10 matches in a row where he's doing the same goddamn thing. And you start thinking, oh, so, people, yeah, go ahead. Real quick, people, people, I always end up talking about this on the on, on podcast, but it's like he, because of Gordon's social media and because of the tribalism in jujitsu, like <laughs> I understand how some people don't think Gordon's social media is that palatable, um, but it's, it detracts from the fact that he actually is like the embodiment of a new revolution in jujitsu. Of course, I look at it like I look at it like in the past everybody has been learning, and I'm learning some piano right now. I'm, I'm terrible at it. I'm not going to play for the podcast or anything, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I've been made to try that shit, dude, because uh, my fingers are too stubby to play the guitar. Uh, but yeah, I've always wanted to learn the keys, man. Uh, what's that? Yeah, uh, maybe we'll get to that in a second. Finish the story. Yeah. So the way that I, it. Obviously, it's just a relevant example because I'm trying to learn piano right now and I'm too old. Um, so I'll watch these like four-year-old kids playing you know, Bach and Beethoven and I'm going, wow, that is absolute insanity. But what I yeah. noticed is that if you look in the past, there's been so many biases in jiu-jitsu where everybody becomes tribal and they go, oh, my master said you do a knee cut like this. So that's the way you do a knee cut. And that's their whole friggin' argument. Mm-hmm. Like there's no hey, let's break this down to first principles and let's really analyze this. We need diagonal control. We need to establish inside position. I did, I did jujitsu for like 15 years before I heard any of that. So it was like, hmm. Now I look back and I watch these old matches and stuff and I go, oh, this is like when I spend all my time trying to learn one song so it makes it sound like I can play piano. So occasionally I'll be playing music and someone will go, wow, you're real good at that. And I'm like, no, I'm, I just did this one I song 7,000 yeah. times. Yeah. No, but uh, <laughs> dude, that's really, really accurate. When you, when I go to these, um, I mean, I've, I've traveled a fair bit to train and I, I've been to a lot of academies, which are uh, non-competition academies, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And they just do the same things over and over again, um, endlessly. And if you, if you put them in a situation where, which they don't recognize, um, you see, you see, you, you get a reaction, which is, um, way different than you would expect. And it's, it's basically a white belt reaction. Um, if I may say so, um, but yeah, yeah when you say, when you, when you say that, that, that tribal mentality, um, even in, um, in this country, in, in India, we, we have a lot of that, a lot of, um, it's, it's very cult-like in a way. Mm. And people just, <laughs> they don't, um, they don't get away from their, their leader or the elder, or whatever the fuck you call somebody in a cult. You're not allowed to challenge the, the dictates of the master. That's why I laugh every time I'm here and someone's like, oh, uh, master. And I'm like, shut the fuck shut up. Shut the fuck please. up. <laughs> <laughs> not call me a master like i am just good enough at this to recognize how <laughs> i am at it like yeah i can beat you but that's because you suck and then yeah. he can beat me but that's because i suck like you really need to understand like 
going back to the piano analogy, mm-hmm. I'm learning like Disney songs because <laughs> I, I grew up on that crap because they're like, they're very easy to learn on the piano. So like when I look at old school jiu-jitsu and modern jiu-jitsu, there's some, there's some fucking amazing competitors, right? I'm not criticizing people, but I look back and I go like, oh, that's uh, Can You Feel the Love Tonight by Elton John for the Lion King soundtrack, followed by A Whole New World from the Aladdin soundtrack. And then, wow. he added stero- he, then he added steroids on top of it. And he just played those hard as fuck. <laughs> it's like, can you feel the fucking love tonight? Like, that's, that's all it was. It's not, he's not playing Bach. He's not playing Beethoven. Yeah, I know what that's you not what that is. Yeah. And so when I, watch, when I watch Gordon in his matches and watch him breaking down now, I'm realizing, like, man, he's only the beginning. Like, the next mm-hmm. generation after who actually paid attention and studied because even he was you know, 16, 17 or something like that when he started learning this stuff. When you start, can you imagine now a, a five-year-old or a six-year-old starting jujitsu and their instructor is teaching them like, oh, here's how you pummel pass and let's establish diagonal control when they're five. And then by the time they're 10, they know, they have like the entire go further faster Danaher series memorized. And then they just like backwards. Ex- yeah. You get 10 years of experience on top of that. Now they're 20. And not only that, it's being replicated at all of the jujitsu, like not all the jujitsu academies, because people are stupid, right? People are like, oh, we don't, we don't we like don't how Gordon acts on the internet. <laughs> it doesn't so work. we're not going to learn that stuff. We know yep. how to pass. Yep. And you go, yeah, they're going to dominate everything. It's, it's literally, um, it's insane how uh, I've seen people evolve just teaching them that shit. Um, and every now and then Ryan Hall throws in a gem, uh, of whatever oh, he is doing at the time. And it do like his, um, his 50, 50 stuff. Uh, I think it came out when you were here last year. Um, and I've been, I've been, I've been, um, watching a lot of, uh, the death squad recently. They don't have much of a 50, 50 game, do they? You know, I think that uh, I think that they do, but um, like you, if you watch, I, I think I remember watching an old match. It was like uh, it might have been Ethan Krellenston versus one of these guys from Marcelo's who was real good, and uh, they ended up in a fifty-fifty battle for I think like five minutes, and I just could not understand any of it. I was just like, "What is happening right now?" So they do have fifty-fifty, but I actually remember my first fight to win. I asked, uh, I was uh, we were at weigh-ins, and I was with Jake Shields, and he he's in there and, and I asked him be, literally just because the Danaher Leglock DVD hadn't come out yet. Mm-hmm. So the only DVD that I knew was legit and was about leg locks was Ryan Hall's Ryan 50, Hall, 50, yeah. the original one from yep. like eight, nine years ago or something. Mm-hmm. And so I was studying that because I wanted to learn legs because I think I told this last time or whatever, but Nikki and Gordon and them came and trained with us and Nikki was like 15 and just, mop the floor with me and he'll hook me like 11 times. And I was like, Oh, I need to learn this stuff. So I get my black belt and now I'm having my first match. I'm like, I got to learn these leg lock things. So I'm studying them like crazy, but I go to the Ryan Hall 50, 50, cause it's, I know he's in a fantastic instructor. So I'm looking into that. And then I, I asked Jake, I said, Hey, you know, you train with those guys. Like, um, wh- why don't, why don't we see a lot of 50, 50 from them? And he basically just gave me the same answer John usually gives in interviews, which is that like, we're looking for asymmetrical positions, mm-hmm. like where you have a dominant position over your partner. And so you can attack them, but they can't attack you. And 
I think that philosophy goes deep into how a lot of, a lot of how they train with, with the Dan Hurd death squad and everything. So it might be that, um, that that's a blind spot, but I would doubt it. I imagine they're probably, especially with the advances that have been made recently. I mean, you saw Gordon and Lachlan and I know everybody at, uh, at ADC. Even Craig, you know, even Craig to an extent. Oh, uh, for sure. Early, early days. Yeah. Craig's super into it. Yeah. But like, if you watch the, the Lachlan versus Gordon match, Gordon basically let Lachlan do all of the stuff he did to mm-hmm. the to Muhammad Ali and to all those guys. And, uh, and then he just pummeled and he figures he's just like, no, no, no. I know this game. Like, so he knew that game really, really well enough that he could actually let Lachlan get into it and play it. And then he was just looking for a way to counter it and get through it, which is hilarious because people watch that match and they go, Oh, Lachlan was killing him for like three minutes. And I'm like, not really. Mm-hmm. I mean, killing, killing him is, you have him like those guys aren't going to tap to a lot of stuff anyways. Can you imagine someone has Gordon in a fully locked inside heel hook from 50, 50? He's probably not tapping quickly. He's not tapping to that dude. Uh, no, he can literally just do a fucking leg extension and uh, whip that guy overhead and then just break his grips from there. Right. Or get like close to your shoulder. He puts the boot on and breaks your shoulder. You're like, ah, he prob- I mean, realistically speaking, um, it wouldn't be very, I mean, I let people fucking rip on helix from in, from fifty fifty, so I can't I can't even imagine what Gordon would do. Um, in fact, I, I don't, did you get a chance to watch uh, Leverage? Yes, I was going to ask you about that. I I watched the entire Leverage. I know you said that there was going to be a new release with uh, better footage. Yeah, HD footage with better camera angles and everything. Yeah, I watched the full live stream. It was cool, man. You guys did a. I have to say, you guys did a great job on the production value. Like everything was just, oh, this is way more legit. Like if I'd put something like that on, it would not have been le- as legit. So <laughs> it, it wasn't cheap, dude. It was so expensive. Um, and I'm still paying because the the final edits and the cuts are going to come out now and uh, it's going up on YouTube. Um, but that is going to be very interesting to watch because it's high definition, multiple camera angles, and it'll make, uh, it's good content for me to break down later with my guys. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, dude, we were working a lot on, uh, well, 50-50 because we didn't think that anybody would expect it. Um, Yeah. You guys had had an edge there too because I remember at the ADCC uh, last, was it last year? It was was last year. Yeah. 2021. 11 months ago, yeah. Yeah, ADCC last year. I remember uh, Amon had some some backside 50-50 heel hooks and Mm – like at that time, I wasn't even working backside 50-50 so much. I was like, oh, You okay. had just started it. Uh, you were halfway through uh, Ryan Hall's uh, DVDs. Yeah. So um, you guys have had a, a pretty big head start. And um, that's something I think uh, once you guys begin, because I know there's a, a barrier to entry into getting into tournaments in the U.S. and things like that, because you guys mm-hmm. kind of fly like crazy amount. It's going to cost money, right? But you guys got to get out here to go to these bigger tournaments. But um you guys are aware of this new technology that's happening in jujitsu and uh, I, I, you got to literally put it that way. Like if you're playing like civilization, the game or something, it's like, Oh, you guys had a technological advancement. You guys have like fighter jets and these people are riding on horses and you're like, it's pretty bad, man. Cause I remember when I first started learning the leg lock stuff, I was teaching Jeremy, uh, and uh, Jeremy Harden, my nephew, lives with me. And he he would, as soon as we started really learning the Danaher stuff, and I, I went out and trained with them and, and really learned some of their 
their tricks of the trade and everything. And I taught Jeremy and he'd come back here and he was, you know, 130 pounds at the most blue belt. And he's just, he's like 17 at the time. And he's, you know, he's tapping these black belts who've been training for 20 years and like all this stuff. And he's, you know, getting all up in his, he's like, yeah, man, <laughs> all these black belts now. And they're like a hundred pounds heavier than me. And I'm like, yeah, but, and no disrespect to them, but it's because, you're yeah, playing chess and they were playing checkers and they're real good at checkers. They will beat you at checkers. Don't play checkers with them. But if you play chess, they don't know what's happening. But so. do you almost judge these black belts who are now unwilling to learn or keep up? I try not to because I assume that at some point I will beat them. Nah, so. I don't see that happening. <laughs> but but honestly speaking, I mean, what, what different, what, what, di- what, how are they different from, everybody they've been criticizing their whole lives uh, i think a huge part of isn't a huge part of being a black belt that you always keep learning and the journey begins and all that horse shit after you get it <laughs> i'll tell you this um myself when i first got my black belt i there's that thing that uh that you you've heard the probably heard the rumors of john danaher saying when he when he sees somebody come in and he visits uh the blue basement and then he gets tapped with something stupid or he gets passed some way and he goes, I want you to go home and I want you to burn your belt. Like <laughs> that's, that's how I feel about myself when I got my black belt. I'm just like, you know, for years. And this is a warning to all of you who are like coming up in the ranks. Understand this. If you're sitting around going, man, I should have had my purple belt already. I should have had my brown belt. I should have had my black belt. I worked very hard. I didn't have a real job. I trained and taught jujitsu for 10, 11 years. I was just doing that and competing. I did over hundred tournaments. I did all this stuff. And I had a chip on my shoulder about like, man, uh, you know, all these people got their black belt in front of me and I should have got my black belt. Listen, you suck. You're fucking <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Stop thinking that way. Cause you're going to get your black belt. And then if you're, if you're smart enough, if you really are, you have enough humility and you're smart enough. You're going to realize how fucking terrible you are at this sport when you're a black belt. And then you're going to go, Oh, you should probably shut up. Yeah. Like I, I know people who I've had students, I've had people who I treat teach who like they'll compete in a master's division and they'll do pretty well. And they'll like, you know, they'll take some place at worlds or at master worlds or something. And then they, they want to, they go like, man, I should have been a brown belt or I should have been a purple belt or something. And I'm, I'm laughing because I'm like looking at them going, man, you know how to arm bar? <laughs> I think you do, but like your game is not that. Your game is I do this move and that move and I play lasso. And, and, it, like, and it works. It just it works on some people that, I mean, it just yeah. it works. It, it should be like chess ranking. You know what I'm saying? Like I do. I'm learning chess as well, but it's like chess ranking, you don't get a belt, right? If you might I, be able it, to win a match. If, if I'm higher, sorry, if I'm higher ranked than you and I pass your guard, you drop three places and I gain what seventeen places. That's how it should be, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I I've played against the computer and beaten like a, a level eighteen hundred on the on the chess app or something. But then yes. that's one out of eleven matches, and then you beat then the computer beats me seventy four more times, and I walk away in shame. Have but, you though? Was that? Have you though? Eighteen hundred? Yeah. No yeah. way. Yeah, I mean, I just get lucky. I play like a I dead dead <laughs> some random thing, and I beat it, and I'm like, ah, 
what got you back into chess, man? Nothing got me back into it. I think you guys were playing it every day when you guys, or when I was in India. And uh, Jeremy, Jeremy started playing. He just got real obsessed with it. And he, so he plays every single day. And he's real methodical about it. Like he goes like, oh, I'm going to play against, I'm not going to play the low level things and try to win. I'm going to play the level 2400 chess master or whatever. And then I'm just going to watch how he does setups. Mm-hmm. And then so I play what I think Mike usually plays. And then I look at what the computer does to beat him. And then I come in and I beat Mike and make him feel stupid. <laughs> so, <that's, laughs> so I'll beat him like five games in a row. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. I'm learning fundamentals. I'm doing YouTube videos. And then for like two days, he'll beat me like 13 times in a row. And I'm like, uh. Dude, really? Uh, so I, I had a chess coach for a bit uh, before the lockdown. Mm-hmm. And he recently came to the academy to check it out. And Piyush played him. I think Piyush beat him fucking 7-2, seven, seven, if I'm not mistaken. And this, guy, I, money back. this guy is a grandmaster. I'm no joke. Oh, man. And Piyush is not bad at all, dude. The guy is, I mean, he's a full, he's a nerd. He, he, he's such a nerd. I've seen him run and it's, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, but he's really good, man. You should play him. Uh, I probably shouldn't because it's just going to be, it's less humiliating because I have no ego about it, but I'm just going to lose. So I'll, I'll learn something. Let me tell you, the most humiliating thing is uh, our Sambo uh, judo coach here at, at the cave, uh, Gina. He's again Russian. Is he Russian? Ukrainian? Where's he from? He's from. Let me think. I think he he spent a lot of time in Russia. I think he was born in the Ukraine, but he's actually super proud. I'm like, hey, you're Russian, right? He's like, no, nope. Mike. He showed me his his 23 and Me. It literally says 100% Ashkenazi Jewish. It says nothing else. I was like, did you Photoshop this shit? Like, he's not mixed. It's just 100%. I'm like, okay. How does so that even that, happen? I don't know. But I'll tell you this. It's also like, uh, I think some some great giant percentage of Nobel Prize winners are all Ashkenazi Jewish too. So it's like, oh, you have... Inbred? Like, like, no, like the highest IQ out of all of the demographics. Like, if you if you put it along a broad spectrum. Mm-hmm. So it's hilarious, man. I, start, I try to play chess with him and he's doing the super aggressive thing you're not supposed to do in the beginning of chess where you're like, oh, I'm going to move my pawn forward and then immediately my queen comes out. Queen comes out, bishop comes out. Queen, bishop, and then you block this and then he comes like checkmate in like three moves, right? right? And you go, ah. So the most humiliating thing about playing with him is I beat him once now, but the <laughs> most humiliating thing about playing with him is that like he'll make a move and then you, you're like, ah, I'm going to move my piece here. And he just looks at you and he's like, take it back. <laughs> you're like, what That's do you mean? Worst like, kind of person. Goes, Mike, take it back. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and he's funny shit. This scary looking dude. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. Jeremy always made that joke. He looks like the, the guy from the Despicable Me with the oh, kids. Oh, he does. Oh, fuck yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, because he's, he's just towering oh. over those children and he's just yelling at them. All the yeah, time. Oh yeah, the kids are like, and then line up. Because I'm like, mochi, and you just <laughs> shut up, sit there, and you're like, oh, okay. Which I think is hilarious because American parents, especially in the suburbs, 
they're more like friends a lot of times with their kids. Like there's a lot of, there's a lack of discipline, which yeah, doesn't get that. exist in, in Eastern Europe. That doesn't exist so much. You know, the kids like, I want to do this. And they're like, you have no rights. Shut up. <laughs> Dude, I, I was that kid in India. It's the same. We were beaten up as, as children, bro. Um, yeah. We, we have no rights here. Uh, even now, I mean, things are different. I had a question for you. Yeah. Okay, let's say um, somehow you've made it to the ADCC finals, the world championships, and you're in the finals of the absolute. For some reason, you chose to do the absolute. Um, and you have Gordon Rand. Um, he does one of two things, right? He stands up and he baits you with that single leg. Oh, he's got that um, mid-supinated and seated fucking guard going on when he's on one side, just luring you in. Mm-hmm. Um, strategies for both. Do you take the bait of the single leg? Uh, do, you, do you look at the single leg like, dude, these other fucking morons have never been able to take him down. I can fucking take him down. I got a sick single leg. Do you take the bait or no? Does your ego kick in or no? Well, here's what I think. I think um, if you if you watch the strategy, most of the time that single leg was, has more to do with he hand fights, snaps people down until their lower back gets tired because they're bad at wrestling for the most part. And then it's like, okay, cool. Now their back is tired. They stand up straight. He shoots for a single. They sprawl. And then he gets to pull guard without a penalty. Right. And that's generally how he does it. I would say my best move would be to hand fight and then pray to every deity that exists that I could possibly like juke him, fake him, throw a flying triangle at him or something like that. Cause that is all I would have. I've rolled with Gordon at least a dozen times and I've watched him, I've watched him compete and stuff like that. I'm like, the only way you beat him, unless you're just, encyclopedic about it and you've studied his game and you're you're at the top echelon of the sport and like and i don't know anybody who's, yeah i don't know anybody who who beats him now he's very like when you look back at the the matches with felipe pena and and, and again i'm not i'm not ripping on anyone those guys are fucking amazing but if you look at like the felipe pena matchups felipe pena had a brilliant counter to inside Sankaku. that's how he beat him twice I mean, it's the same thing. It's the same fucking back take, right? Twice. It's the same back take. And mm-hmm. it was something that other people weren't doing to him. And he caught him with it. And he got him with the back take. And you go, cool. Mm-hmm. Thing about it is, watch Tex Johnson versus Felipe Pena. <laughs> yeah. You go, oh, he's going to do that back take. Except for he, now he's in 50-50. And you go, And now he's, oh, he's exposed. Now. And he's, he's tapping. Like, and Tex yeah, he likes broken. Yeah. So he that was like some shot in the dark stuff where where he had a he had a move that gordon didn't have an answer for gordon definitely has an answer for that now i don't think that match goes that way even close to it ever again like i think it's just i think gordon wins 100 times out of 100 now um you think gordon's ego wouldn't kick in and he wouldn't try it again (laughs) he might but the question is like he might actually get it uh he might beat him with it this time that's one thing uh, I want to, wanted to address is that like the 50-50 thing, I've seen probably five or six high-level matchups in, the, in 2020 where 
someone got finished with a 50-50 heel hook and you go, man, oh, he beat this guy with a 50-50 heel hook. And then I look at the match and I'm like, what the hell? Like, you guys don't watch any instructionals? Like, you you, you do not pay attention to anything? Like, how did you get caught with a 50-50 heel hook that way? I'm not saying that guy doesn't have a good heel hook. I'm saying, how the hell did you just leave your heel in the holster and then remove your other leg and go for an Achilles lock or something? And I'm like... Dude, that, that's, that's what I'm saying, dude. I, I've watched so many fucking uh, matches. I revisited all the leverage fights. I watched every fight on it. That happens so fucking much, and I'm oh, I, and 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 Aman and Sean and Piyush, they've missed opportunities, and I've I was so close to hitting them uh, because <laughs> <laughs> there've just been moments where the heel is in the holster, and these motherfuckers have not jumped on that. Uh, it's some it's something that uh that Ryan Hall made a big point of in one of his instructionals where he just there's said, a quote, yeah. He said the best the best players are never out of position. Like LeBron James is not the best shooter. He's not the best dunker. He's not the best rebound guy. He's not the best passer, but he never puts himself out of position. The best people don't make unforced errors. Yep. Low level people make unforced errors all the time. And we're seeing that right now. I think the state of jujitsu looks like it's better than it ever has been. And it is, but it's at a growth stage. It's in puberty right now. It's awkward. It has back acne. It's got like a, an overbite and it's braces. Like it is not as pretty and beautiful as it's going to be. It's an ugly duckling right now. And I think that when you start to see, cause we're seeing the old school and we're seeing uh, the new school kind of converge. And once you start seeing the new, the new grapplers that come out who know how to pressure pass and know how to pass from the inside, know how to pummel pass, also know how to play all of the bottom positions and be aggressive there. Like the, the way Gordon does, right? Mm-hmm. Some of the guys I rolled with at Danaher's, uh, it's insane. You feel like you're in a wood chipper. Mm-hmm. Like they're studying wrestling grips. They're studying all this stuff. And you're like, oh, he's got a grip. Break that grip. Crap, he's got another grip. Oh, shit. Now he's got my neck. Oh, get that off my head. Oh, crap. He's got my leg. Push the grip off. Oh, no, he's on my back. Ugh. And you just feel like, wow, you're walking into a blender and you're just getting torn apart. No matter what you leave, no matter what you pull away, you're leaving something behind and you're getting killed by it. So, it's it's funny you mentioned uh, gripping because people always say there are no similarities between um, the gi game and the no gi game. Um, <laughs> off off recently, I've noticed, um, especially with the inculcation of the leg lock game, the guy who makes the grips first wins. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's a shin on shin grip or with a two on one grip, if the guy's kneeling, even if he's standing, a collar and heel grip, um, the first one to grip is winning that exchange for sure. In an ADCC kind of uh, tournament, that can make a huge difference. Even in a fucking IBJJF points rule set, um, massive difference. And I and I and I know that you've recently added this um, into your training as well. Um, yeah. So what what are the drills you've been working on? I can tell you what I have been on. So the the big thing for me is um, I think you're not going to become a fantastic wrestler as as an adult, probably period. But you can be a you can become a much better wrestler. But the problem for me is everybody focuses on these super athletic movements. Everyone wants to have like a a Jordan Burroughs double leg, and I'm like, dude, shut up. Like, you're not going to have that. If you, again, 
going back to that, that ADCC instructional that Gordon put out, he talks about it. He says, look, man, I have an average shot at best. At best, I have an average shot. I don't have a Jordan Burroughs double leg. It's not going to happen. So what do you learn how to do? You learn how to initiate the grip fight. So you learn how to hand fight well. And that has been a huge, huge help in my game, both from butterfly guard, butterfly half, half guard, everywhere. I'm just focusing a lot on the initial grip sequences. How can I get the double grips, rushing grips, two-on-ones? How do you counter them? And how do you just focus on that? So every day we're, we're drilling at 10. We do like, for a week, we did like two hours of just hand fighting every morning where we just drilled the sequences themselves real light so that we'd start to get them. Now we do 15, 20 minute warm up of just hand fighting. How do I get to a collar tie? How do I break a collar tie? How do I get to a two on one? How do I, how do I work off of that? And I've noticed a huge up in the percentage of my sweeps from bottom position. Um, they're super simple things, man. You can just study. I watch Jaden Cox and I watch uh, Dave Taylor is fantastic because you don't want to work on double legs and single legs if you don't know how to hand fight. Because what's the big thing that keeps jujitsu people from actually shooting in jujitsu? They don't want to get guillotined. They don't want to get sprawled on. They don't want any of that stuff to happen. So if you watch Dave Taylor's game, it's fantastic. It's all based off of hand fighting well and then shooting for an ankle pick. Because if I can get to an ankle pick, your posture's already broken. I have some grip on you. And even if you turn to run away, yeah, and I can learn to follow from the ankle pick if it fails i can follow into a single or a double when you're in a position where your hips are loaded and you can't sprawl on me so it's like oh if i just work on hand fighting and ankle picking then i don't have to take these shot in the dark i hope this double leg works and then getting sprawled on and getting my shoulder torn or something like that you can work on a a much better game for jujitsu and it's it's way it's way more tiring um yeah that strategy. No, but uh, similarly, I, I've been getting these guys to, uh, well, uh, there's one guy in seated guard. Um, the other guy is either on his knees, one knee up or standing, looking to pass. Uh, the first one to some kind of grips. Uh, I mean, your usual supinated, pronated, two-on-one, your hamburger grips, your collar tie. Uh, I stop it there. So you get those grips, you stop. You get a shin-on-shin grip, you stop. Um, and I've noticed that when a huge flaw in like, I want you to watch this later in Sean's game is the guy has no grips whatsoever. Oh, right, right, right. So all his entries are just him just butt scooting towards people with no actual grips on them. Um, yeah. yeah. So what else do you think I could include into our, uh, training regime? Oh, so this is something I'm working on for, for the open guard stuff too, right? There's, I think it's on the first part of the um, seated guard instructional from Gordon is he just talks about like, all right, I'm seated. What should my stance be? I'm like, he blades his legs. So he's in, in he's an eye formation, one foot in front. So I switch to a certain hip. And then um, again, you should, you should watch how he breaks it down at the ADCC thing because he has a methodology that's almost not even expressed in the instructional for the open guard. But if you watch his actual matches and watch him break it down, the way that he puts pressure on people between Ashiwaza techniques, Tewaza techniques, and double grips, constantly going cycling before them with that trilemma, you see some really cool stuff there. So what we did for uh, learning to do those grip fights is it comes down to muscle memory. So 
I'll just have somebody circle. Like I'll sit in, um, I'll sit square on my butt and the other person will be square. Like most of the people who try to pass on Gordon are, and I'll have them like try to try to grab the ankles real fast. And you just drop into an arm drag grip, drop yep. into an arm drag grip, drop into an arm drag grip and getting used to just playing those little games where you're constantly focused on how you're going to get that grip set up. He does this. I do that. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to that chess analogy, if you watch the opening opening match or opening, um, I guess the openings in a chess match between two people who are really good, usually the first few moves are done really fast. I mean, I'll, I'll, oftentimes the whole game is done fast. I mean, it, like, it's all reaction based after that. It's like you're always one step ahead. That's why white plays to win and black plays to draw. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but. If you notice that it's like you can have a really great mid game in chess, there's an opening, there's the mid game, and then there's the end game. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you have to play each one of those. Well, but if you have a terrible opening, the rest of the game's probably screwed. Like we are talking about this a lot, but you talk about uh, the Danaher quote where he always says, if you dominate the setups, then you're going to dominate the, uh, the, what's called dominate the setups. You're going to dominate the transitions. And if you dominate the transitions, you're going to dominate the positions and submissions and everything after that, right? So that opening is so not, it's so not emphasized in jujitsu, in nogi at least. And this comes down to um, something I want. It's like a thought that I've been having recently. I think that the nogi game is underdeveloped. It's very underdeveloped in most schools. Mm -hmm. And I think the gi game is becoming overdeveloped and it's not good. It's becoming... Why do you say it's overdeveloped? I say it's overdeveloped because if you look at uh, the history of certain sports, if you look at Taekwondo, if you look at Judo, if you look at how those things evolved with the Olympics, you're like, oh, there used to be a lot more moves allowed and a lot more uh, stuff happening. And then they started adjusting the rules and adjusting the rules and adjusting the rules. And then you get real, it got real boring real fast, for me at least. Like I still love to watch a good Judo match, but... Now it's like, okay, I can't break grips with two hands and you're not allowed to grab here and you can't grab there. And One second, you can't break grips with two hands anymore in the Olympics? Nope. Nope. So I, somebody gets a two-on-one, I mean, somebody grips you, it's over. It's not necessarily if over. They have in, if they have inside position, right? I mean, I mean, no, if you get a good grip yeah. on, the, on the back of the gi, um, it's downhill. Yeah, it's... So the thing about it is when you start making the rules, there's this old story. I think it was Alan Watts was talking about this story with uh, Taoist and Confucians. And he, and he talked about, I think it's an archetypal story. I don't, I don't think it's true, but it's like the idea was the Confucians came together and said, Hey, there's a pot in the middle of the city in the middle of the town. And in that pot, you give all of your taxes, whether you're paying food or you're paying gold or whatever you're doing. And they said, Hey, we should write the laws of the state on that pot so everybody knows the laws of the state and the Taoist came out and said okay but if you write the laws of the state on that pot what words are you going to use to define the laws and then what words are you going to use to define the words that you use to define the laws it's you infinite you create this bureaucracy and this word game that everyone's just going to spend all their time trying to get like when people in America are like these corporations are making $10 billion a year and they're paying no taxes. We need to raise their taxes to 47%. And I'm like, asshole, they're paying 0% right now. 
Raise it to 10,000%. They're still going to pay the smartest people to find loopholes to fuck the system. And that's how it works. So if you look at the evolution of judo, same stuff. It's like, oh, you know what? These Russians are coming in and they're leg locking people. Mm-hmm. Leg locks are banned. Okay, cool. Now, if you looked at like 2008, oh, these like Georgian people, these wrestlers who also do judo are coming out and they're all in this super hunched over stance so that you can't enter into any traditional judo throws. And all they do is like katagaruma and they do stuff where they pick the leg. Mm-hmm. Great. We make leg picks illegal. You're not allowed to touch the knee anymore. That's matches over disqualified. Han Sokumake. And so even your, even your katakurumas then have to be, I mean, edited, right? Because can you grab the leg? Can you find much carry people? Or you have to like... I think you can't take a grip. I stopped paying attention when I left judo in like 2008. That I will make a hearing. huge difference though. Yeah, that, I, yeah. I was at the Olympic trials when, when Ronda Rousey competed. So I was like, they're watching as a fan, right? I'm like, oh, this is really cool. And uh, I started watching the guys in like the 90 kilo division where I was competing. And all they <laughs> did was like, they grip fought until somebody got a penalty. So I was like, oh, this guy's got an advantage now in jujitsu, right? And then after that, they would grip and immediately do a bullshit throw and fall on their stomach and cover up. And then they'd wait and they go, how much longer is the match? Minute and a half. Okay, cool. Grip, fake Uchimata, sit on my stomach. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. Mate, stand up. And they would do that over and over again. And I just went, fuck this. It killed it. I didn't want to do judo anymore. I was just like, I'm going to jujitsu. These are too many, these are too many rules, too many laws, right? And if you look at the evolution of gi jujitsu, there's a lot of cool technology out now. You're like, like oh, what? I'm gonna do like uh let's be able to a worm guard, lapel guard, all that crap. There you go. The thing about it is I have students who really like, really like doing that stuff. And I'm like, just sit down, right? Yeah. It's the, I'm going to wrap them up in the lapel in eight different ways. And I'm like, that's really cool. I actually enjoy using it in some positions, Mm -hmm. but 95% of the time they see Keenan do it and they go, Oh, it's so cool. Look what he did. And I'm like, that's cool. But most of the time when you see that stuff being applied, what actually happens? The guy gets a grip and then the other guy goes, Ooh, I don't want to get swept by this. And then it becomes the most boring match in the goddamn world where one guy's trying not to get swept or get an advantage scored on him. And the other guy's trying to use this position of extreme leverage. But the problem is when you have extreme leverage on one part of the body, the rest of the body seizes up and kind of goes, no, you're not going to use that on me. So it becomes a really boring goddamn match. So <laughs> what are your thoughts on, on, um, I mean, sorry to digress, but, um, Go ahead. That's all on the one guard, on the lapel guard. <laughs> i don't understand it enough to to give a, an educated opinion i i like it it's cool i'm not for i'm not saying we shouldn't evolve or anything like that but at the point where you need to create a game where it's incredibly complex and i'm not going to go to the unrealistic aspect because we're not fighting we're doing jujitsu it's very clear that most of what we do I think that if you're a jiu-jitsu competitor, you're better uh, suited if you're in a fight. But on the on top of it, like, yeah, there's most of the stuff that we do is dumb. Like, we're going to get punched in the mouth. For sure, yeah. That being said, 99.9% of people think they can fight or who think they can fight are terrible and they can't do anything. So <laughs> I'm like, everybody's like a day one person who's like, oh, yeah, I'll play you in chess. And you're like, okay. Sweet. <laughs> like, even if I do dumb stuff with my opening and my mid game, 
I'm probably still, still going to go with Yeah. Uh, no, but you were saying, why do you think uh, the gear game is, has gone that way? These new technology, what else? Because the rules. Hmm. Like how many, how many uh, gi sub only tournaments have you seen? I know what you mean. I haven't I was, seen anything. I was thinking of making a leverage. Uh, what, what, I think the third one, the eleventh one um, in the gi. What do you think? Uh, did you did you guys? Um, you had too many people watching this last one. You made too much money, so you decided you go to the gi so you could make less money and have less people watch. <laughs> I mean, it's good if you want to promote, I mean, you guys are building a, you guys are actually building a sport, you know, you're, you're learning jujitsu, but a lot of what you guys are learning is American and Brazilian and jujitsu is like a worldwide thing now. So you guys are really building your sort of Indian jujitsu thing. So you guys should have gi. I love gi. I think he's awesome. But I think also some of the fundamentals of how a human body works don't apply in the gi because you have these weird grips, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things I'll notice is like, say, take a split squat pass, right? A knee slice. Well, in nogi, you kind of have to put your head on the far shoulder and establish diagonal control. Mm-hmm. In the gi, you don't. You grab the Just lapel. And, yeah, yeah. and so what I noticed is, is a lot of times I'll get a guy who's much better than me in the gi and he'll go into that pass. And then I can kind of like knee him in the butt and throw him off me. And I'm like, oh, your head's all the way over here. Like, that's stupid. Like, they'll come to nogi <laughs> and I'm like you're amazing at that pass. You're just, your head's in the wrong spot mm-hmm. because that's not the way the human body works. That's just because you have not clothes. I hate that self-defense debate where they're like, well, people wear clothes in the street. And I'm like, yeah. And sometimes they don't. And there's a big goddamn difference between a t-shirt and a giant rope tied around somebody's neck. Like, <laughs> It's a very, very different thing. Right? I'm like I can do pull-ups on your gi. I can't do pull-ups on my t-shirt. Yep. So if you try to grab somebody's t-shirt and it's, this is a stupid debate. How many knee slice passes do you see in street fights? I don't know. Let's do an analysis. It's, it's dumb. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so I think it's overdeveloped because of the fact that you have so many rules. Like, have you seen what the IBJJF just did? That's what I was going to get to next. They legalized I'm very, I'm very impressed. Oh, I'm impressed and not surprised because they legalized heel hooks. You know what they banned? No. Underhook De La Hiva. De La Hiva with a scoop grip. No, I, I understood. Uh, what about reverse De La Hiva with scoop grip? I don't know. You're probably going to break their ankle or something. One second. Um, they banned underhook De La Hiva. That's my understanding. Because it puts too, much pressure, puts too much pressure on the knee. I As assume opposed to inside he looks. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> if I tried with everything in my soul to injure somebody knee, with that, to snap some, I'm going to break your goddamn knee from underhook mm-hmm. Delahiva. I can't, oh. unless you help me, unless you really help me. <laughs> we have to unless go we like, time it perfectly. I have to go, okay, you're going to jerk your knee to the outside ah. as hard as you can, and I'm going to slam your knee to the inside as hard as I can. Ready? Three, two, one. one and then even you then, you get a meniscus tear, uh, max first, de- first degree meniscus tear on your immediate meniscus, but 
Um, I don't think they understand the damage an inside helo can do to, well, everything this in is, your knee. This is like if they, if, if you have a country that doesn't allow guns and they're like, okay, cool, we're going to legalize assault rifles, but we're going to, or, but we're going to, uh, we're going to ban like wooden clubs. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, no more clubs. <laughs> bludgeoning, bludgeoning is too dangerous. You're not allowed to have that. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Usually, the way that this works, if I've seen, I've seen it in other sports when they become too developed because people have too much incentive to win, too much incentive to win the the world championships and stuff. People lobby just like every political organization lobbies, and it turns into like, how can we give our guys an advantage by adjusting the rules? It's like ah. Instead of finding a creative solution to guys in judo bending over and doing leg picks, instead of figuring out some way to play your judo against them, now it's like, well, we want people to watch the sport on the Olympics on television, so it can't be boring. So you have to stand up straight and you have to do this. And I'm like, guys, nobody's watching judo. It's but, not going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's even worse now because they're just swatting at each other. You have a better chance of getting people to watch spelling bees or getting people to watch like math competitions. Cause at least people know a little bit of math, right? We all went through like grade two or something like that, but, <laughs> but nobody has any understanding of judo. Like they just don't. And the better people are at it, oftentimes the less exciting it is because people are so good that they nullify each other a lot of times. Dude, um, fucking hell, man. Uh, I'm just, I'm still like, I'm so confused. Um, it makes no sense to me, dude. Um, yeah, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> it makes zero sense. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get these guys. I mean, um, I, I want the IBJF to hold like an Indian Open. Um, why not, you know? Um, I mean, we have a couple of um, high level, uh, high level uh, jiu-jitsu guys in the country, but um, they're not, they're not doing much, dude. Um, so, I mean, there were a few black pearls in town that were visiting that were that were not Indian. Um, so, I, and I had to mention something to you. Um, a lot of these karate dudes have been going to a Phuket and Phuket top team and a couple of the academies over there. And these guys, apparently Phuket top team offers, well, a three months bluebird program. Um, <laughs> yeah. So these guys have been showing up with bluebirds and purple birds back in the country, which is, um, which it's is, which, which really like fuck shit up for us here. Yeah. Um, because everything, something that would have taken generations is happening overnight, um, which is the watering you know, down dude, of this thing. That's the thing is like people want to buy the menu instead of the meal. And it's it's pretty bad to me. But you guys just stick, stay true to what you're doing, man. Like you guys, you're not giving out blue belts like it's candy. You're not going to give out purple belts like it's candy when you can. Like it's not going to be anything like that. Like we have that out here too. It, it is not missed America. Like Americans like to sell shit and they like to make money. And there's a lot of schools who, Oh, this guy's a blue belt. And this guy's a purple belt. And this guy's a brown belt. And I'm like, this guy doesn't know jujitsu. Absolutely. Like, he can beat all the blue belts at your Academy. Cause they're terrible. Mm -hmm. So give him his purple belt. 
And then he comes here and I'm like, oh, well, here's a guy who's a white belt who's been training for six months and he's schooling you and you're a purple belt. And that's sad. Like there's another school near us who they had a, a purple belt teaching there. And remember Marty? Yeah, yeah. Marty, Marty's, Marty's, you know, a thousand years old. No, I'm kidding. Marty, Marty, uh, <laughs> I think he was like 43. He wrestled in junior high or something like that. And he'd been training jujitsu with me for maybe like a year and a half. And uh, he just went over there to check out the other gym because I don't restrict who can train anywhere. I was like, yeah, dude, go train somewhere else. Like, have fun. So he went there and trained one night and there's a purple belt teaching and they're doing all of the like, oh, everybody get your punch card because once you've done a hundred classes, you get your blue belt or some crap. And he's rolling with the purple belt instructor and he tapped him like three times and beat him up. And I'm like, Marty. Yeah. And I'm like, no offense, Marty, but you suck at jujitsu. Like, <laughs> he was like, like a year in and he's beating this purple. And I'm just like, dude, I look back and I think about when I was a purple belt and I go, wow, I sucked. And I also beat like two current world champions in, in the blue and purple belt category. And I beat a guy who won pans the same year. And I still look back and I go, God, you were terrible. Mm-hmm. Like you were so bad. Like I hate what people like, oh man, that video I saw of you submitting that UFC fighter. That was awesome. I'm like, no, that was terrible. Like, yeah, I beat him, but I was horrible and I had bad strategy and I didn't know jujitsu at all. And that's just the way it is. But the way that other schools are doing it, they're just selling belts, selling belts, selling belts. They're doing the, the Taekwondo karate thing where it's like, you know, profit exactly. over actual progress. Exactly. So it's funny because then you look at, look at leverage fight night. And I'm not saying that, that about the other schools out there. Cause I, I've actually seen a couple of the schools that you guys compete against. The guys are legit. Like they study mm-hmm. hard and they train really hard. They're, they're not slouches. So, oh, one, one is. Okay. <laughs> uh, name them right now. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> sure. They'll be back. Um, they can prove you wrong. Yeah, no, uh, but yeah, you got your guys went what like sixteen or no or something like that. Like the only people that they lost to were people from your own school. Yep. And that's not that's not because they're sandbaggers. It's not like it's not like you guys are the art of jujitsu and you have a guy who's he's been training since he was five and he's twenty one and he's a purple belt and you're like oh, he's he certainly he's put out a lot of size. He hasn't won worlds and pans fourteen times yet, so we're not gonna give him his purple belt. And you're like, okay, sweet. Like I know. I'm not going to name names because it's just politically stupid, but like there's schools out here where guys are winning. They're beating, they're beating people who are like, like huge names in the sport. And I'm like, and you won worlds and you won pans and you won like sub underground or something. Mm-hmm. And you're a brown belt Makes and no you've been a brown belt for five years. And I'm like, wow. Wow. why, why are you not a black belt? <laughs> like, you should just be a black belt. Like you're beating black belts. You should just be a black belt if you're that high level of a competitor. If you can compete right. with like the top level of game, it's like why not? But it's not my it's not my it's not my place to to say you should give somebody a belt. Like that's that's your own preference. Um there's no standard. It's just what you feel is the thing. And so if somebody wants their competitive black belts to always be at the top of every single division, then that's their that's their prerogative, right? That that's why I disagree. I feel there should be a baseline standard, um, at least with. I mean, in your country, I understand it's a little tough to do because, well, just because the amount of practitioners available. Um, I mean, I, 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 with my country, where I have to deal with these 
fucking twats every day. Um, I wish there was a way to do that. Um, <laughs> it's it's because these guys come in and they, they they show me these national certificates they have in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and they say, dude, can I be in your advanced class, please? I'm like, yeah, dude, come. And they, they train with white uh, with metal who is 50 kilograms dot mm-hmm. and metal wipes the floor with them and I never see them again. <laughs> yeah, well, you, to me, honestly, everybody wants the promotion because it makes them feel like they're getting ahead or whatever. But I always look at it and I'm like, man, you should hope that it takes you forever because it sucks. I, I would hate to be... Like, me and Gordon are the same rank. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you don't want that. You do. There should be a, a higher rank than I am for competitors or something like that. Because there I look be at... A, at least a bar on the fucking... There is, though. There's white, but it's no so I mean... It doesn't matter. But no. I look at it and I'm like, I would hate to be a purple belt who isn't ready to compete at local tournaments of purple belt. That is terrible. Dude, with yeah, kids, that makes a lot of sense. With kids, I see it all the time because people promote kids oftentimes just because they want their parents to keep paying. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have like a control freak parent who's like, Oh, why isn't he progressing and all this stuff? And then you give them belts and you give them belts and you give them belts. I've had people come to me and they're like green belts. And I'm like, great. How many tournaments have you done? They go one when I was seven and I go sweet. So now you can't compete until you're like 20 because mm-hmm. there's no division I can put you in yeah. or we're not cheating. And that you can compete in without just losing for three years. Like we did every tournament for three years. Those kids are all going to kill you. Yeah. So you've literally robbed the kid. I have to look at him and go, you got to give up that belt. Or I have to go, well, you can never get good at competing until you're much older. Now you have to learn how to lose 50, 50 matches, humiliatingly crying. Cause the guy schooled you like it's a fucking Bruce Lee movie. <laughs> no, you're right though. I mean, you're saving them a lot of fucking heartache by not doing that. But uh, I mentioned this. I mean, just the fact that you brought this up, um, Mohit was actually um, stressing out about his purple belt. I don't know if you remember, but Mohit got his blue belt. I think two years before I did. Yeah. And for the longest time, I mean, so he's been a blue belt for a while now. Um, and I keep telling him, I'm like, dude. Just shut the fuck up and train. <laughs> like compete if you have to. And and Mohit actually in the last ten months or so has seriously evolved. Um, like oh, yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah. we were talking about that um, on on the trip to Goa and everything like that. I think me and Mohit had some conversations about that. You did. Yeah. What is that he about? He, he said he really doesn't like you as a person. Dude, I completely understand. I'm not trying to be nice to him. yeah no um i would say out of everything that i've seen in india how many how many purple belts do you think there are in india like if you had to just guess how many uh four four there are no i don't have to guess i know uh five five and then Mm -hmm. if you had to rank how many of them are legit including me yeah two stop it just don't do it you're gonna you're uh three 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 three. Ah, good I was like, if you say one, you want to go live and fucking taking Gordon Ryan tips. I'm not. I'm. I'm a, I got. I got half a decade on Gordon Ryan. Believe it or not, um, <laughs> uh, I've been through those years. So. Yeah. No. Um, 
For sure. I, all I would say is uh, for Mohit, the purple belt, uh, I wouldn't focus on the purple belt. I would focus on killing you. I would channel that hatred into uh, into beating Ashwin and just focus on a small aspect of the game and get real goddamn good at it and fuck Ashwin up. And if you That's have to, thing. poison him. That's the, dude, I think I think he <laughs> might have tried and he's had a few opportunities. Um but I wouldn't be surprised, and I would respect it if he did poison me. Um, but, <laughs> but I would seriously respect that, dude, because, um, yeah, I mean, I make these guys record me, play it back, and try to construct ways of beating me myself, um, and they're getting there. They're I'll really tell you this. Back. Homegrown, out of all my guys, I have not given any homegrown purple belts yet. I have a crop of a few guys who are going to get them. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say when, but they're going to get them at some point when they don't suck. And, <laughs> and my standard for it, like you have to understand the standard for a purple belt in the new era, it has to keep getting higher. Like I look at it and I'm like, that's the first real advanced rank. My blue belt standard is going down over time because I look at it and I'm like, my old standard was I've never given one and I wasn't qualified to. And so I made everybody wait forever. And now I'm like, okay, the blue belt doesn't mean as much. It means you're not a goddamn white belt anymore. It means I see you as like a future black belt. Like you, you've shown me a bunch of growth spurts. But what people don't realize about the way that I rank people is it's based on an individual. You don't have to be able to beat everybody who's that rank or something like that. Cause everybody's different. Some people are competitors. Some people aren't, but I always look at it and I go, how many setbacks have you had? Did you get a girlfriend and then you still kept training? That's a, that's a plus. <laughs> like, that, that is like, um, that's not easy. That's like a death blow to your jujitsu. It's like, oh, oh, especially if it's somebody who hasn't had a girlfriend in a while and then they get a girlfriend. Oh, and they're dude. Like, oh my God. I can't show up to training anymore. Uh, my girlfriend wants to go for dinner. I'm like, does that work for your degree too? I'm sorry. I didn't turn in my, my, my assignments because I got a girlfriend now. You got to understand. Right. Mm-hmm. Great. Take the class over. Like, yeah. Pay up again. Right. Right. So um, this, the, crop of, the crop of people that I have coming up at Purple Belt, I'm like, they're exemplary. They're really goddamn good. I'm like, these guys, are, these guys are, have a lot of potential in different ways. Some of them are going to be great teachers. Some of them are going to be fantastic competitors and great teachers. I'm like, I, I have faith in these guys because I need them to be a standard bearer so that everyone else who wants to get the Purple Belt looks up and goes, yeah, I got to be. That's the gold standard, yeah. That's what like uh, yeah. It's funny you say that because um, a blue belt in India means a lot. And uh, I, I did take into consideration these guys then becoming teachers of their, I mean, teachers later on, right? Um, so if if I, if I you give a, somebody a blue belt in India, they are essentially, they have the ability to open their own academy. That's crazy. Exactly. Yeah. That's crazy, even though I'm somebody who started an academy when I was a blue belt. Who exactly. So when I belt these, when I when I give these guys that fucking belt, I mean, it's these guys have they know the standard and they know that they have to have the ability to teach and run their own academy when they do that. For sure. So it's way you, more serious here, dude. <laughs> I think I think if everybody's giving out blue belts. Um, 
too quickly and stuff in India, then you just, you make a discernment um, by being more selective in your process. And then people are going to start to realize there's, there's, you can get a BJJ blue belt or you can get a warrior's cove blue belt. And that's fucking different. That's much different. That's like going, I mean, you've, you've trained at, you've trained at Henzo's in New York and everything, right? It's the same. Yep. Yeah. Where you're like, like I got my black belt and then I went there and I, I did the camp at TriStar and then I went down there and I'm like, okay, like there's nobody, there's nobody in the room I can't compete with. There's nobody in the room I can't roll with and have a good role with. Right. I can roll with Gary. I can roll with Gordon. And at, at the very least they won't be bored. Right. But then there are also people who are like purple belts coming up like Nick Ronan and stuff. I think he was a purple belt when I was rolling with him. And I was like, good God. Like, again, wood chipper. I felt like I was going into a wood chipper. I'm it like, gets worse I, every may second. Caught, I'm, I may have caught him once or twice. He caught me way more than that. And I was just like, this kid is goddamn good. And he is, that's somebody you could be proud of having as a standard bearer of your purple or your brown or your black belt. It's like, it's not even sandbagging to me. Because when you look at the systems that they're learning, I'm like, yeah, I mean, he's a it's he uniform, a right? Belt. Yeah, he's it's... probably a purple belt in that system. Everyone else is a black belt in a much worse, less well thought out, not first principle based system, and you literally just don't. You're not. You're not there. Like you speak English, but you're not a. You don't speak like the English that you hear from like a mathematician. You're like, what, what we're talking about physics? No, <laughs> you speak the same language, but I don't understand a goddamn word you're saying. And it's because you speak the language better than me, not because, not because I'm stupid. <laughs> but, so, I mean, what attributes do you look at for, I mean, you mentioned systems uh, for a purple bird. Uh, abs. You got to have abs. Abs, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know how I got it. <laughs> uh, blue, well, traditionally in, in my head, a blue belt is you know, most of the, you know, all the positions, you're not like, Oh, I don't know what this is for most of the stuff. You have solid defense. You don't make really dumb decisions. You're not like Queens gambit. I saw that show on Netflix. I'm just going to take my queen out right now. And you're like, uh, not a good idea. Like (laughs) this is dumb. Maybe the the chess master can do that, but you can't like stop it. So I, if somebody's passing, right. Mm -hmm. Do you actually try to, steal some inside position or are you flopping around and accidentally aimlessly yeah because you can pass a lot of shitty people's guards just uh, like that with, with bad passes and that's a trend I, I, that's a trend i see with sean and amon's game they just literally flop around from side to side aimlessly <laughs> it's Dude, like, it's like a, their whole team it's 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 <laughs> no you mentioned this and as I, I, so I talk to these guys after training every day. That's what I said to them yesterday. Yeah. I was like, dude, you did absolutely jack shit to actually steal inside position with any of your limbs, top or bottom. You just went left to right. And it was like I was doing that uh, that leg drag and regarding drill that you do before class. That's all I was yeah. doing. Yeah, I don't even do that drill anymore. I'm <laughs> Neither I do like, I. I go straight straight in the class. There's no warm ups with us anymore. Yeah, um, it's really it's really fascinating with those kind of those kind of old drills. I think the the revelation of junk training, like the the concept of junk training, really hit home with me because I realized I was like, oh, this is most of the warm ups people do before class are just stupid. It's just a waste of time. Like, it, and again, bringing back to like the piano, it's like 
you can learn a bunch of songs. Like I did that. I learned how to play a bunch of songs. And then I was like, oh, I'm not even using my fingers correctly on the piano. Like there's a, there's a beginning to this that you need to practice. And it's literally just using your fingers correctly. It's like cross your thumb over here or cross your finger under there or whatever. And if you're not learning that, then you're just drilling the mid game and you don't know what the beginning game is. You don't know what the opening is and you need to have that fundamental. It's like getting, you got a pretty good double leg. Like you could shoot it really hard, but your stance is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But you can make it look convincingly. Um, I gave this analogy to, to Gina yesterday about music. I'm like, this is the overdevelopment thing. Music has become overdeveloped too. If you look at, if you look at um, like, and it's not everybody's cup of tea, right? But if you look at like a, a classical Hindu, like um, like Ravi Shankar, if you listen to his music or you listen to Bach, I'm saying mm-hmm. the same people over and over again. But if you listen to these like classical composers, there's a complexity to it. There's a complexity to it that's insane. They had less capability than a modern person does where they have like a synthesizer and a keyboard and they can make every sound in existence. And they yeah. can make something that's catchy and something that's interesting. But the level of art is totally different. Like you can make a chessboard that has a hundred extra squares and 14 new pieces that I'll do. This one does a corkscrew and that one does a star pattern. And you're like, great. That makes it more complicated. We can do 10 D chess, right? You can. But what people are missing is that the actual limitations of the chess game itself are what make it this brilliant thing where you have to, because of the limitations, you figured out these really smart ways of, opening correctly and finding traps and things like that and i feel like that's um that's something that's often neglected it's like let's make it more complicated let's do worm and let's do uh even 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 the reverse worm even uh, ryan hall talks about the same way like dude stop just (laughs) don't complicate something that doesn't need to be complicated he said that about rubber guard back in the day, which there's cool. Some people play rubber guard real well and I play it sometimes in some ways, but um, his, his example, I think it was on his, his guard DVD in like 2010 or something. He said, that's cool. You came up with a very creative solution to a problem that you created yourself by laying flat on your back and allowing the person to keep you off of your hip. Like you're creating a, a really, really complex solution to a problem that you're creating on your own. When somebody mentions uh, rubber guard and uh, rubber guard to me, it's like those cult leaders that show up or like at your door or uh, or Jehovah's Witness or some, some shit like that. You know, those guys trying to get you into a weird cult. Yeah. I, um, I, I, gave this, I, gave this, I gave this analogy to Sage the other day when we were talking about uh, like worm guard and stuff. Like when I, when I roll in the gi, I'm so disconnected from it now. Uh, because I, I just focus on my Nogi and there's so much to learn about the grip fighting and about setups and transitions and Nogi. It's, people think it's simple, but it's, it's so much more complicated than, than people imagine it is. And there's so much to get good at that if you spend the next 30 years of your life doing it, you're not going to feel like you mastered it. So I'm really focused on the Nogi for like a long time now. And so when people go for like a worm guard grip, when I'm passing in the Gi, I just let them have it. Mm-hmm. Just like, go ahead and take it. Because I'm like, I'll find a way. I want to try to find a way to beat it or whatever. But to me, it's a lot like if a guy came up to me and like a sweep or a submission from worm guard to me is like, if a guy came up to me and asked me on a date, mm-hmm. I'm like, cool. I mean, like you can, you can do that. It's not my thing. I'm not mad that you did it, but you know, it's like you sweat me, you caught me with some weird lapel guard, but it's like, I, <laughs> it's just not my thing. 
I'm not mad at you. It's just not my thing. So go yeah. ahead. Get into the Maybe enough. I can figure a way out of it. But I, my ego is not attached to, damn, got me with that worm guard sweep. I'm like, ah. Like, I'm not going to punch you. I know you what you face. mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> So you were saying, um, yeah, they don't make stupid mistakes, the bluebirds. Um, what else, man? For a purple oh, for bird. The, for the ranking stuff? Um, yeah, for a purple bird. I don't know. People ignore the character aspect of it way too much. I'm like, I need That's to see point. that you're thinking in a way. Like, realistically, if I look at you and me and how we came up in jujitsu, it was like, it doesn't matter if I have somebody who's going to teach me how to get better at jujitsu. I'm going to figure I'm it gonna out. I'm going to get better, I'm yeah. Gonna have yeah, I'm motivated, right? I don't need yeah. somebody to be like, hey, man, get up and go. You're going to be a black belt someday. I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to be. Yeah. Nothing can stop me from doing that. I'm not going to blame it on Mike if I don't get better at jujitsu, that kind of thing. Like, I need someone to be – motivation comes from yourself. It's overrated. Absolutely. You get up and you do it whether you're motivated to or not. That's the point. Do it when it's hard, right? Show up when you don't fucking want to. Mm-hmm. that's the kind of person who should be a black belt because that's somebody who actually has learned things that translate into actual outside of jujitsu life in judo. They talk about big judo and small judo, small judo is like the techniques you learn and the concepts and the setups and the practice and big judo is like how you apply that to your actual life. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, I have no interest in giving somebody a brown belt, especially going from like blue to purple or purple to brown. I'm not even considering people for black belt right now. It's going to be years until I do that. And I'm like, man, if, if you're still blaming other people for all of your problems, if you're I, during quarantine, when everyone was losing their mind in America, I don't know if you, if you noticed this, but Facebook, I, I don't, I'm, I don't, I don't use it anymore. I was a daily user because it was it helped me with my business. I, I know, was, I know. I don't use it at all anymore. I look at Instagram, like, once a day, maybe like, I'm just done. I'm just, I got so tired of it because during our election and coronavirus and everything, everybody thinks they're on the side of science or freedom or some shit. And they're all dumb. Everybody's right. I'm going to make a lot of friends here. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I mean- happy lose, I'm happy to lose these friends. These people who went absolutely insane during quarantine, criticizing and, uh, ad hominem attacks at everybody who believes something different than them politically and all that. And I'm just like, Hey, asshole, I wouldn't trust you to like for advice on cleaning a swimming pool. Like you don't know what about that. You, I wouldn't trust you for advice on, so I'm going to trust you on virology. Great. I'm going to trust you on, uh, whether or not the government is being overreaching on its, uh, on its actual like policies towards people. I'm like, I, I don't trust you at all. So when I look at that situation, I think about watching people who are in my academy calling each other Nazis and calling each other libtards and calling each other. And I'm like, yeah, it's true. You're all Nazis and libtards. But listen, you need better character than that. You yeah. need to be able to control your emotions better than that. Mm-hmm. You, you have to be able to agree with people because if we can't have an actual dialectic and a conversation, then the next step is we just punch each other in the mouth. And it's all these people who are great they were great together at the academy who had differences in political opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were fine. Never came up. But then coronavirus happens. You get siloed away. You live your life on the internet. And people want to be a complete and utter uncivilized asshole to each other. And I'm like, sorry, man. Like, that, that actually, I don't want to promote you. Because that's mm-hmm. who you are. Yeah, it's a so red flag. Want, 
For sure. You're right? going to treat other – so maybe someday you're going to be a black belt and you're going to be teaching classes at my academy and then someone says, I wear a blue hat or I wear a red hat and you're going to go – And you flip the fuck out, yeah. I'm like – That's a good point. Yeah, you're dude. not a black belt to me. You're – that's – you don't have any character. It's not – you're not getting promoted. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean – um it's interesting that we've had a couple of uh, people flip out here as well. Um, I have one guy, I'm not going to mention his name, uh, but he became a complete conspiracy theorist. Um, yep. Like, 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 dude, I couldn't talk to the guy without him preaching to me about yeah. how the coronavirus is um, something started by the government, this, that. No, like, dude, okay. What if it is? This is the situation we're in. There's not much I can do about it. So why are you telling me this? What am I going to do with this newly acquired knowledge? There's nothing I can do with it. Why are you telling me this? I don't care. It doesn't make a difference. Because I want you to know I'm right and everyone else is wrong. It's saints need sinners. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, But like, so, so what's the plan now, man? Um, I know that you were, you were, you had, I mean, I I know for myself, I was doing terribly with my mental health. Um, and I really like, I was losing my shit to one point in time. Um, yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing good now. Um, I've, I've adjusted my expectations. You know, the quarantine and everything has been like a... Adjusted, you mean the zero expectations? Uh, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Things have, things have just gotten better in some senses because, um, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, it's fucking expensive to, to, run a, to run an academy out here. And before, you know, my academy had like 130 people in it. And you don't realize until the money stops coming in that you're like, oh, crap, like this is everything here costs money. And you start getting emails and letters in the mail and you're like, God, I got to pay for my business license again. And then I got to pay for my, my fire permit. And then I got to pay for, and you're just like, Oh, I had an extra $1,600 in expenses this month and I'm not even allowed to be open. Like, that's great. Um, So now I have, I got a a loan from the government. I was one of the people who was lucky enough. And I think honestly, I was lucky enough because I applied early and because for like the last like six months before the pandemic, six months to a year, I was working really hard on getting my credit score up. And I think that's where a lot of people got screwed is their credit score was too low. I think mine was like, 624 which isn't very good but mm-hmm. it, you had to be like 620 to get the loan i think so i just barely got the loan but it means that i'm going to be owing the government for a long time i'm hoping that once we get to open up uh that i can make the money back but it's dead serious like when we get to open the first like six months is probably probably not going to make any money at all i'll make enough money to to pay the bills and then probably for another year after that it'll be me just hopefully recovering my business and paying it off because our government out here, they like to pretend like they're helping small business and stuff, but they're destroying small businesses. And they're what are the, what are the interest rates like on, on these loans. Oh, it's pretty good. I mean, it's 3.5%. So it's like a, it's a 30 year mortgage basically. <laughs> it's not a horrible, horrible rate, but it's like, yeah, man, I, I have enough money from the loan that I can, keep i can keep paying my rent uh through 2021 but at the end of 2021 if we're not open that's going to be rough (laughs) so 
Um, and then I got to pay it all back. So I'm basically going to be an indentured servant to the government teaching jujitsu for like a year and a half after we open up, if we get to open up, um, because it looks like, you know, we have a, we have our expert out here, our, our guy, Dr. Fauci, who's like, oh, hey, uh, we'll be able to open up once we get herd immunity. But for that, we're going to need 65% um, of people to be vaccinated. And then I go, okay, sweet, 65%. Have you had any vaxxers? No, and then two days later, he comes out and he goes like, um, it's going to have to be a 70 to 80%. And then three days later, he's like, oh, it's actually a 75 to 85. And then two <laughs> days later, oh, I Everyone. think uh, every single person <laughs> and every caterpillar and ant is going to have to get back. And you're just like, hold on. Because <laughs> I'm not an anti-vaxxer in any way. But I think Brett Weinstein said this and it was really you know, he's a PhD in microbiology and really smart dude. And he said, if you're pro or anti this vaccine, you are not on the side of science. Because on one side, if you're just anti-vaccines, you're an idiot. And on the other side, if you're pro a vaccine that was developed faster than any vaccine ever, and yeah. it's not even a regular vaccine, it's a brand new kind of vaccine. And not only that, we did an old style vaccine that we actually know how it works and we've tested it on like large populations, but the American government's like, nah, that's made, that's made from like Oxford, like it's an English company. So we're like, we're going to spend billions of taxpayers dollars on the, the new style of vaccine that we don't like, we, we have a pretty good idea. I don't think everyone's going to die from taking this vaccine, but you're like, eh, it's a bit just, to me, to me, there's a good chance that in like three months, bunch of, a bunch of money gets spent and a bunch of pharmaceutical companies make a ton of money. And then we find out, yeah, there's another new strain and the old vaccine doesn't cover it. So we need to shut down for another nine months. And I'm like, so I'm just not optimistic. I'm just like, no not optimistic. on that subject, how sure are you that you had COVID-19 when you did ADCC? Oh my God, dude. <laughs> Oh my God. Um, dude, you remember when we were, we were at that beach and Z and Mohit took the, the little scooty to the, the Airbnb and we, we took that big red car that looked like Clifford. Oh yeah. You remember when I couldn't breathe for like five minutes before starting the car? Yeah. And you remember how I drank out of the bottle that you gave me and you were drinking out of for the whole, the whole day and you re-drank out of the same bottle on the way back? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> you remember how you brought COVID-19 to America? I'm pretty sure I started it. <laughs> I was, that, was one of the, that was one of the most surreal experiences was, first off, once the pandemic started and they start telling me like, make sure you wash your hands and social distance. And I'm like thinking back to ADCC and I'm like, okay, so oh we're, my in, God. we're in yeah. Asia. People from all over the country came to meet at a mall. There's like a thousand of us here. Everyone's rolling. There's no hand sanitizer. They're rolling. They're fighting each other. Tournaments are dirty to begin with. Like, if I can give one piece of advice to people, wash your fucking hands at tournaments. Wash your feet like, also, man. Wash your feet. Wash your hands. It is gross. People, are, people go to the bathroom. They wipe their ass, and then they don't wash their hands, and they're nervous. And it's, I'm just like, dude, this is not, it's not necessarily very clean. Right. Plus with leg locks, I mean, I'm just touching feet all the time now, dude. Right. And ADCC was even less than most tournaments clean because it was, it was like outside. It was, it was outside in a mall parking lot 
and people are just like walking barefoot on astroturf and spitting on the ground and and the sun is out and everybody's sweating <laughs> so all of that and then i get back to america i you remember i told you i told you uh the when monk. i go to get on the plane and, and the flight got canceled <laughs> first off coronavirus was a joke at that point i didn't yeah. know anybody who was taking it seriously it's like mid-february nobody was like like Nancy Pelosi, our guy, our people out here are all like, go out in Chinatown, the virus is fake. Like, and then two weeks later, get inside, you murderers. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you selfish murderers. Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, so then I get, I go get on my plane and a light was broke on the plane because it hit a bird or something. So we went through immigration, did all the stuff, and then we're leaving. But I'm in immigration and waiting and stuff with this guy next to me is a white guy who was from San Francisco, but he just came from Tibet and he's dressed like the Dalai Lama. And he's got yep. a surgical mask on, not, a, not an N95, but a surgical mask. And he is just coughing. <laughs> I know you told me this. He woke me up. I saw up this guy. Plane. Yeah. I, I saw this guy. Yeah. He's on my Instagram story. And I'm yeah. just like, okay, then I get back to America and we go through immigration and we go through, and this guy's in front of me and he's still just, yeah. and he's just full Dalai Lama garb. And he's like, uh, they, they come up like, let me see your passport. He goes, passport. And they're like, all right, sweet. Enjoy America. And I'm going. And the direct flights from Hong Kong to San Francisco and they still weren't careful, huh? Well, yeah, because you're a racist if you if you ban travel. Uh, of course. Pri- okay, so you're a racist if you ban travel prior to March 13th. And then after March 13th, if you don't, then you're a, a genocidal maniac who killed everybody with coronavirus. And so have fun. In any case... <laughs> What was funny is in India, when I was getting out of immigration, when I deboarded, and then I had all these like Indian guys running up to everybody in the same suit, and they're just running up to everybody who looked vaguely Asian, and they're screaming, "Ma'am, ma'am, stop! Bring me your papers! Show me your papers!" <laughs> I'm like, I was like, "What the hell's going on?" And then I go, "Do you need to see my? You need to see my passport?" And the guy just looked at me, and he's like, "No, nah, no, you're good." <laughs> oh. oh. I see what's happening. That's racism. Yeah, so, so then I get back to the U.S. And uh, four or five days later, like a general incubation period later, um, I start getting a cough and I start feeling a little bit sick. I remember, yeah. So I said, I'm going to be real safe about this. Nobody. So I I go home. And then my sickness, I didn't have the loss of taste, but I was coughing. And uh, I, had, I had a dry cough and a mild fever. And I just the same shit I had, basically fatigued like crazy. And then a couple nights, I wasn't laboring in my breathing too bad, but it was like to the point where I couldn't sleep because I had to consciously tell myself to breathe. I wasn't oh, wheezing, fuck. but I was like, okay, time to take another breath. Take a breath, yeah. Which is that just... Breath, which is which is coronavirus. Yeah, it's miserable. But uh, yeah, that and then the fact that um, like before the Craig Jones seminar earlier in January, <laughs> I was like... My first day back was to ro- I rolled with Craig and, and, and Isaac, so I probably give it to them. Um, I think in January, I'm not sure. I either got coronavirus from you or I got it earlier in the year because I had pneumonia and I had like the same stuff. I and remember, yeah. It, and all of my students out here, I have at least 20 or 30 students who are like, yeah, man, uh, last November, last December, I got, I got sicker than I've ever been. And it was like my lungs wouldn't recover from it. And I then remember I Star, Star telling me that. Yeah, I Star, Marty, Mike, like all these people. And I'm going, oh, I think because jujitsu people travel and because we're in such close quarters with each other, that most of us were probably exposed to COVID-19 in like last November, last December. 
So the fucked up part is we couldn't get tested in America for months. So we knew about this, but the tests weren't available. So I couldn't get the antibody test, which the antibodies only stay in your blood for like three months. Which makes so much sense. Yeah. Right. So then when I finally got tested with the antibody test, it was like, it was negative. It was negative, right? Like negative. I'm like, great. Well, it's it's been six months. I I had my test in, um, in August and it was negative. I had no antibodies. Meanwhile, Sean had antibodies. Fucking Sean's what it is. At, at this point, I, I understand people who are worried. Um, I don't, but I just, I, I'm just not personally. Mm-hmm. You should I'm, see what I'm it's worried. like back here, dude. Now it's nobody gives a shit. I, basically, to me, I'm just like be respectful of people. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Exactly. That that goes for people who socially distance and wear a mask too. By the way. Because mm-hmm. I've been yelled at at like Lucky's. People are losing their damn mind, dude. I was at I was at a I was at Safeway, not Lucky's. I don't know if they exist anymore. But I was at Safeway. <laughs> and I was standing literally on the big dot on the floor that says stand here. Mm-hmm. My feet are on it. Right. Mm-hmm. And this lady turned back and the guy at the cash register, I think he was trying to like impress her or something. He goes, Sir, will you step back? And I'm like, what do you think? Like <laughs> the sign says, be two cart lengths away from this person. I'm like 16 feet away from them, standing on the dot, and they're yelling at me. And it's happened like four or five times where I'm following all of the protocols, and somebody who's just freaking out is just like. And then you're in San Francisco, that doesn't help either, right? Because you can't look around and ask people to like empathize with you because people are just fucking. I don't know. Pacifica, Pacifica is fascinating. Pacifica, Pacifica, I don't know about Pacifica. No, it's conservative. It's like a little, it's like, to me, I don't think being conservative or liberal, like, I think you should be both, to be quite honest. It's stupid to choose one side because that's, it's, it's similar. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's dumb. I'm like, uh, you, you should, you should have opinions that go through a broad spectrum. And when you choose teams, I hate to go off on this tangent, but when you choose teams in America, I'm like, you do realize that both parties are owned by giant corporations who are fucking the world. And then people are like, but this one says nice stuff about people that I like. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of twice as evil, but all right, have fun. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, but these people care about global warming. And I'm like, yeah, because they invested a lot in solar energy companies and they're gonna make a shitload of money on the stock market. If the government decides to invest in this form of energy, I'm like, none of these people care about you. They're not your friends. They're frauds, both sides, red, blue. I don't care what suit they're wearing or what kind of fake hair they have. Or what and you, you, have to, you have to explain this like fucking adults with kids. Right. No, but I can't explain it to them because people are like, no. <laughs> but why, You're wrong. The other team you, is worse. Why do you let that stop you, man? I mean, um, maybe it's... Maybe I'm designing this, but I say whatever the fuck I want to, dude. Uh, I, I, but America, I mean, America is cancel culture, and America is way different. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't care about that because I, because I say what I believe in a manner that I think they don't understand what don't, you're doing. I don't have opinions about people's race or gender or politics that I, I think are actually offensive. Like if I if you break it down, like I don't hate people, I don't have problems with anybody, but I can smell bullshit when I hear it. 
And then sometimes I'm going to be wrong and I know I'm wrong. So like if I say something I believe and I'm wrong and you tell me, my answer is thank you. Yeah, you um, don't. But if you just say you're wrong, I go, all right, great. This was a fantastic discussion. <laughs> like, like I had I had over the holidays, I had a, I had an old friend visit and they were, I don't know how I end up in these discussions, but it's like landmines with some people where I'm going like, it's big. Are we really, are we really this thing? Like I made a joke about Christmas or something. And then all of a sudden I, I'm being invited into a debate over which one's better fascism or communism. And I'm like, oh. I don't like either of those things. But that's big, I, dude. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people just enjoy doing that. Uh, I, I, I don't understand how it works. It's the worst though, because it's, um, I think somebody put this on, put, put it this way recently. It was like, it's like when a parent is a, like when they were a kid, they were abused and then they, they grow up and they have kids and then they abuse their kid. And then that kid goes to school and abuses other kids. And I'm like, yeah, somebody on the left bitched at you for being on the right. And then you got really offended and hurt by it. So then you find people who are on the left and you bitch and moan at them about being on the left. And then they go, and I hate those people on the right. And then they go, <laughs> and you just choose this camp. And it's like Crips versus Bloods. And you're like, <laughs> can, can we just admit that none of you should be running the country? I shouldn't be running the country. And probably the people running the country shouldn't be running, shouldn't the, country. Be running the country. And we're all pretty goddamn lucky that we live in America. And Dude, what happened? I mean, have there, have there been any uh, significant changes after Biden came? Is I mean, Biden's coming to pass soon. But did that make a difference to your life at all? No, right? No. The only difference is that uh, the election's over. Like, that's what, I, that's what I care about. I'm like, the election's over. But it's not kind of because everyone's watching the reality show of... Trump. It was fake. It wasn't fake. Trump's a reptile. Like, I don't know, right? Trump's a reptile. <laughs> that's what I think. I think... Uh, Dude, I think is a reptile. I think the election was rigged. Coronavirus is fake. Trump's a reptile. Um, everyone's a racist and, uh, and, uh, and that's, that's my platform. I think next year we're all going to be living in a van down by the river and that's, that's I'm where in. we're going. I'm in. <laughs> you don't get many rivers here, dude. Uh, you know what I've been doing recently? Uh, I'm on a water fast. I, I, I'm fasting for two days now. I'm just finding innovative ways to fuck myself up at this moment. Um, and I'm completely losing my mind. So I'm on a two day, uh, no food fast, uh, which means no calories. Uh, yeah, I've done it. How did, how did it go? Horrible. Oh, really? Why? Horrible. Like I, I did 36 hours, but my problem was that when I fast, I, the fact that I can't eat means I can't sleep. Same. And that's the worst is I got 36 hours in and my body wasn't telling me, Hey, you're hungry anymore. It was saying like, yeah, this isn't good anymore. Like you're hurting yourself now. And it, it wasn't. I'm at, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, that's, that's, that's how it felt. I'm um, at I hour, get, hour 30 at the moment. Oh, you're doing very well, man. You're clear headed. Am I though? Oh, you know <laughs> when people hear this podcast, I'm on hour 72 of my fast actually right now. <laughs> and, uh, and that explains the fact that I'm not on your side. If, if you hated my pol- the stuff I said about politics or you hated the stuff I oh, said yeah. about uh, people sucking at jiu-jitsu or anything like that, that's actually just a fast talking. <laughs> my brain is uh, not working. So well right who now. are you training with right now after this? You work for the government? You got to tell me if you're a cop, bro. Dude, I'd be terrible cop. 
<laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. Jeremy, oh, man. we we have yeah, I train with I train with Jeremy, and uh, but no, we have a we have a a sizable crew of people who are definitely underneath the guidelines of the health department, and I am not making any money. So At this time of not, the day, people are showing up, and it is, dude. I've had half my students message me like the parents too, just like, are you doing classes? And I'm like, no, the kid, the problem is like most of my students are kids too. And you can say whatever you want about like, oh, you know, you can do outdoor classes and this and that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is America. It doesn't take 30 years to do a lawsuit here. It takes five minutes. And Mm -hmm. you get one parent who says, it's fine. Billy can come to a small class. And then he goes home and grandma went to lunch. Yeah. Grandma went to Safeway four times this week and got COVID, but Billy also gave her a hug on Sunday. So, so yeah, I think like, that because you were at jujitsu and my stupid husband said it was okay for Billy to do jujitsu, I think that's why grandma died and I'm suing you. I don't know. There must be a way around it though. Isn't there some kind of fucking way where you can make these guys sign? No, actually I talked to lawyers about that and they were like, you can't make a legal agreement. That's why people putting COVID-19 on their waivers. I'm like, you're dumb. Like, I get why you're doing it, but mm-hmm. you can't make a legal agreement to break the law. So it, it, it's null and void. So it, it'd be like you and I, Thanks, decide, we sign a contract to rob a bank. And then at the end, I don't fulfill my contract. And so you see, <laughs> <laughs> no, my workaround, like I said, is uh, we train all the time, but we train under the, under the limit of, you know, it's just a few people and we train at the governor's mansion. Mm-hmm. So if you have a problem with it, go see Gavin Newsom. Shit, dude. That's pretty cool. At least you're getting your training in, man. It could be worse. Yeah, yeah man. I, mean, I don't know why it has been worse. Yeah. I don't know why everyone hates on Gavin Newsom so much. I mean, like, you know, he, he invites us out to dinner and we go to restaurants and stuff together. He's and, a good guy. Uh, huh? you got he's a, a brown, he's got a brown belt as well. Yeah, actually, I gave him his brown belt. Uh, <laughs> I was like, man, this guy gets it. He had the character that I was talking about <laughs> with the promotions. Actually, uh, dude, it's it's almost ten o'clock, and uh, I have a private lesson with him in three minutes. So I, I get it, dude. I get it. Uh, but just off the record, uh, who are you training with? Uh, Mohit's gonna edit this. Don't worry. <laughs> off the record, I don't know. We got we got we got Armin. We got we got Jeremy, um, Caleb, and some other people. Like we have a. We have a mixing, mixing group, a rotating group, a few Congress people, um, nice. a few lobbyists. Oh, really? Dr. Fauci has actually got a sick arm bar. <laughs> <laughs> He's real good at it, man. Okay, cool, man. Okay, see you. Um, I'm going to go try to get some sleep. Uh, hungry. Okay. Sweet. I agree with everybody. Coronavirus is fake, and it's the realest thing that ever existed. And uh, Trump's a racist, and he's God. And uh, I'm looking forward to 2021 because it's going to be fucking awesome. And I am so optimistic about this year. All right, Mike. <laughs> Say hi to the governor for me. I will. I will. Have a good, have a good one, Ashwin. Thanks for having me on again, man. See you, brother. Bye.